Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. All right, you guys, on Habits and Hustle today, we have the one and only Sean T., one of my favorite fitness legends on the planet. Uh, he is very well known, probably most well known for some of his smash hits, such as Insanity and Hip Hop Abs, which were probably some of the most successful commercial infomercials ever that's ever hit this planet. But more than that, more than Sean being so successful with these beach body programs, he himself is just such a, a beacon of light. And he has a whole business called Shanti Inc. that is really about trusting and believing, the same name as his podcast, Trust and Believe, who it's about transformation, getting you to be the best version of yourself, getting unstuck, facing difficult situations, and mostly trusting and believing in yourself and doing the hard things. You guys, I really enjoyed uh, having this conversation. Me and Sean, to be truth be told, we got along from the jump. We uh, really just became fast friends, and I just love this guy. He really is so inspirational, genuine, and this podcast really went deep and talked about things, honestly, that I wasn't even expecting for it to do. But uh, if anything, you can see how you are the CEO of your own life. It is up to you to become and be and do what you want and not let anything from your past hold you back or limiting beliefs hold you back. So really listen to this podcast. I know you're going to enjoy it and, and glean something from it to really use for your life. Enjoy. Do you play tennis? Oh, God, don't you tell me are that. Are we recording? We are. Oh, yes, I play tennis. Um, I started playing tennis a little over 11 years ago. I crashed my husband and his mom and dad's vacation two months after I met him uh, to Australia. I had no idea about tennis. I played football, track and field, and basketball. Like, they were my sports. And when I got down there, they were like, oh, we're going to go to the Australian Open. And I remember <laughs> sitting in the Western Hotel in Melbourne, and I was like, I have no idea what I'm about to watch. I didn't know how to score tennis. They go from 15 to 30 to 40, love, you know, yeah. advantage this and all this stuff. And I remember going to the match and I saw the guys playing and I was like, this is so fucking, like, like I would be a professional tennis player. Like I was talking all kinds of trash. Right. And I got, and then so for Valentine's Day, 2011, Scott bought me a tennis lesson at the, um, National Tennis Center in Queens, New York. I got the first ball over. I thought I was a shit. And I think I hit every other ball like, <laughs> over the, <laughs> the curtains and everything. And so I, for the last 11 years, have been like obsessed with tennis. That's my, I, use, I did use it as my cardio for a while because I just got sick of doing fitness. You know, to so I, I totally understand you know? that. Yes. So I got sick of doing fitness. Anyway, from that... Scott told me, he gets so mad when I tell this story, but he was like, you'll never be able to hit like a professional tennis player. And I'm like, do you know who the fuck I am? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? And I really like, I was mad at him for, I have a grudge for like a few years after him saying that. And so two things happened. One, we met Serena. I got to play against Serena. 
you know, we played doubles. My team, me and my partner beat Serena. No way. I mean, she, and she was so mad. Like when we were playing, she's so competitive in a good way. She was bombing these balls at me. And she was just like, there were a couple of them. I was like, holy shit. Like if I was playing her one-on-one, she would whoop my ass. But anyway, wow. so I got to play. And then a, like maybe a year and a half ago, I remember Scott saying to me like, I just want to let you know, I think you can beat me in tennis now, but I'll never admit that in public. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, my. Well, I feel like anything you do, though, you become good at. Just from the podcast we did at on your podcast, oh. like you have a lot of like like hidden talents that people either don't know about or you just don't talk about. Or I, is that true? Like, are you the kind of person that if you put your mind to it, you can become good? I think, Exceptional, I should say, at a lot of things. I think that I am a life's decathlete, meaning, you know, if I went to the Olympics, the only thing I could probably, the only thing I would win a gold medal in if it were an Olympic sport would be fitness. Like if it, if it was like you have to like do a live class, like I feel like that's the thing I excel at the most, right? That's like I would be on this, I would be on a medal stand, you know, first, second, or third, you know. Probably gold, <laughs> but I'm down to lose to really good people. But um, but so but for me, it's about the trying. Like if if I find that I'm capable of doing something, if my mind totally. tells me I can do it, I can do it. I can sing. I'm not the best singer in the world, but I can definitely be the lead in a Broadway show, which I really want to be the lead in Kinky Boots. It just came out. I want to be Lola so fucking bad. But anyway, can you really sing that well? But I can sing really good. I'm not Mariah Carey or okay, you don't need to be Craig David or any you know Craig Brian David, McKnight, okay. yeah. but I can def I can sing. I can dance really well as a professional dancer. I you know so I do a lot of things really really well. But the secret is if I don't do it well, you're not going to see me doing it. Yeah, yeah. So it just I mean there are things that I'm not really great at. You know, like and what? Name me one thing that you've tried at tried. And so that you aren't great at. Writing a book was really tough for me because I'm not a good writer. Okay. I'm a good, I express really well my voice. So like even when I write posts, you know, Chip will look at my post. Chip is my everything in my business, I should say. But Chip <laughs> will look at my post and be like, yeah, you made some errors. You like know? grammatical errors and like just run-on sentences. There's sometimes grammatical or, you know, but I'm, okay. I'm very, I don't think I'm ADHD because I, I know my friend Shalene Johnson talks about that all the time, but I'm definitely, I'm just, I'm not good at organizing my life necessarily. That's why I have really good people around me. Yeah. Um, and but that's a, that's a true statement for a lot of people who are extraordinary at a high level at certain things. Yeah. So that's not that that's not that unique, it's right? Not, it's not that abnormal. You should no. say, but you know, I, in therapy because I'm going to therapy. I now, know. And my therapist, you know, he calls it a high achiever because I was just that's like, right. you know, one time I was telling him to your point about the question of like you're good at a lot of things. I have this thing in my head where if I'm not doing anything, I think I'm lazy. And he said a lot of high achievers have that totally. mindset. And so, um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, if there's a lot going on in his brain. Most of what comes out now is the messiness and always the real. But before, it was just, it was really tough, you know. And I wasn't at this level of, like, confidence and belief in myself always. You know, now being 44, it's just a different so story. When did it start? Like, what was, like, so walk me through this, right? So how did you even become the Shanti that we know from Insanity and from all the mega programs? Like, 
becoming that, like, were you naturally very, very talented with like, even talking to a camera, people don't even know how difficult that is Mm -hmm. to be on cue and to be doing that and to be engaging while also doing the moves. Like, did you audition for it? Like, what was the evolution? First of all, can I just tell you, I love you. Like, I know we just met, but it's so great talking to you. Like, it's amazing. That is so so nice. I feel the same way towards you. No, it's so true. It's so true. Like, I just, ugh. Like, you're wonderful. Oh, you're wonderful, um, too. Thank you. Oh, Uh, Like, my grandfather used to say, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. (laughs) I just wish most people would, like, actually believe that they're wonderful, but that's a whole other story. That's a whole other podcast, Um, actually. I do like the fact that you asked me, like, how did you become Shanti from what people already knew? Because most people ask the question, like, how did it happen? Yeah. But I love how you ask, like, the evolution, because we know what we see on TV. Right. And when you see actors and you see people that are, you know, on TV or, you know, somewhat famous, if you have... No, but you are. In the fitness space, like, there's not... There's like very few names that are household names, right? Right. Very few. You could be a really successful fitness person, but like, there's like... A handful. And you yeah. are one of those people. Like probably my, maybe not my mom because she's 80, but most other people, if you say Shanti, people automatically, oh yeah, Insanity, Beachbody. Oh yeah, that guy, Hip Hop Abs. Like you've been like kind of part of the DNA and the fitness space for so many years yeah. that people at some level will know who you are. It's funny you say so many years because some, someone said to me the other day, they were like, yeah, I've been doing your tapes since 2001. And I'm like, no, you haven't because I was still in college. Yeah. But, <laughs> but to, to answer your question, which is a really good question, um, I'll tell you a really interesting story. So I used to teach at Equinox in West Hollywood when I first moved to Los Angeles. Was that your... Really? So yeah, I used to teach there and people used to wait like an hour for my class and it was always packed, especially my Saturday class. And it was a dance class. I taught 10 classes a week or 12 and there were all kinds of fitness classes from BOSU to BOSU Step to, you know, boot camp, everything. But my... Most popular class is my hip-hop dance class. And so people wait. And so there was a producer that worked at Beachbody that came to my class. Two of them would, like, she would always look from outside the window of my class when they came in. Anyway, she got in touch with a trainer who then reached out to me and said, hey, this woman wants to meet you. Her name is Lara Ross, who's one of my great friends to this day. But they they had me come in and audition. And I remember the... Um, the director, Andrea Ambandos, who I love to death, she said, now, I just want to let you know, you have to be yourself when the camera comes on. So, and she used her hand. She was like, so this is the camera, and you have to you know, try not to act like anything else. And in my head, I'm like, just bitch, know who the fuck I am. Like, <laughs> and if you're, she and my relationship are very that. Like, you know, she, I heard she's very tough, actually. She's super tough, yeah. but I'm literally her fave. <laughs> yeah, well, of course you are. Yeah. I know that sounds really no, vain, it, but I am. It makes perfect sense And she's like, she's just wonderful but um so i just remember i was like okay and in my head i'm like i've literally taught on every continent almost in different languages like you know this isn't my first rodeo i'm saying that in in your head. head yeah and literally that day i taught about like maybe 15 minutes like for them and i walked out of beachbody with my contract that day like there was no like wait there was no like. Are you serious? Yeah. They I gave think, it to you on the spot. They walked me to the lawyer's office. What did you do in that audition? Um, so funny story. is so I called all my dancer friends to my, to, wow. the house, to my house. So I was renting a room out of a really good friend of mine's house. 
And so I called them over. It was like six of them. And I was like, hey, meet me at my garage at like nine o'clock. And they all came to the garage and I pulled the sliding glass mirrors from my closet in my bedroom and took them downstairs and I put them in the in the, in the garage and I made up a routine of like what we were going to do at this audition. And I walked in there and that's what I did. I just taught a dance and they were just really um, impressed with my cueing. They were just like, wow, like you cue really well, like for... Like if, if I'm doing a move that goes boom, boom, bop, I go, go up, down, out, take it down, flip around, boom, boom. Cause like my thing is I want people to know what I'm doing before I do it. But that also, you know, I'm also also put my personality into it. So exactly. It was exactly what I guess Beachbody needed at the time. So well, you had two things. A group X, like teaching an actual class day in, day out, that many gave you yeah. the it gave you the skill set. So you that's you knew what you were doing. Because cueing is super difficult. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that. And because of the choreography stuff, like you already like you were already a a professional by the time you got to, to that place. Yeah, I mean, I was a professional dancer. Yeah. So like, I and you know. But the cueing, the choreography, like being on beat was is oh, important. Yeah, the choreography and I had taught I had taught, you know how they say it takes ten thousand yeah. hours to be I had taught probably I mean, I started teaching when I was 20, almost 21. And I taught, like, I remember teaching 25, 30 classes a week just in college. Wow. So by the time I left college and then, like, traveled around the world, I mean, I had, I, I've been, I just was all over the place, you know. Were you like a fit, okay, so at that time, it's obviously different when it is now with fitness influencers yeah. and all that. But were you considered a fitness, like, because you had that Equinox class? Were you like a Nike trainer and all those other kind of fitness influency things before social media at that point? Yeah, it's so funny when people come up to me, they're like, oh my God, you're like a social media influencer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, I'm not. But um, yeah, like fitness back then was very different. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, you know, there were all the conventions and like people don't oh, even yeah, know right. names like Calvin Wiley, Patrick Godot, Tony Stone, Angie Bunch. Patricia Moreno, rest in peace. You know, there's yeah. so many of these incredible people that I like Patrick, learned under yeah. that taught cueing, that was able to build a class. Every class was an experience. And so from that, then I had to work my way up to be able to teach at one of these conventions. Mm-hmm. And there's and I, so I taught at those conventions for a while. And one day I was, I would, I would teach and I would still take like six classes a day. And one day I was in a wow. back row of a class. I was just like, cause I like to support people. And I always was like, I'm going to soak up anything that they do. You totally. Know? And I was in the back of the class and it was a guy from Turkey that was just like, Hey, you want to come to Turkey and help me open up a gym and like create, you know, this like fitness program and, and personal training and all that stuff. So he did all this stuff and it was just like, I went to Istanbul and I, you know, I was like, where am I? I, was like, I don't speak this language, but the guys are hot and um, I'm here for it. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what was on my mind in my 20s. hundred percent. No shade. No, no, it's amazing. <laughs> so that, then who, did you come up with hip? Was your first program hip hop abs though? Yes. My first program was hip hop abs. Um, did you do it or did they give it to you? Or how does it work? Like what's the, like give me the skinny you know, excuse the pun, on like what happens inside. So you get the job, then what happens? Yeah, so get the job and it literally is, we go into a boardroom with the producers, with Carl Dykler, who's the CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just kind of ideate on what it is that we want to do. At least that's how every experience of mine has been. Uh, so they knew that 
they had just come out with P90X was before Insanity. Yeah. And then oh, the most amazing Shalene Johnson had just come out with Turbo Jam. I remember that too. Right. So, so she had come out with Turbo Jam. And so really, so what happened was they were just like, we want Turbo Jam did so good. It was like rhythmic. It was kind of like, I don't want to say it's like Tybo, but it was like the rhythmic mm -hmm. boxing uh, for people who don't really understand it. And then, uh, so they wanted something that was like, they felt like movement was really good. So, and I was really popular for dance. Right. And so we That's just- That's what you're became, known for. Yeah. But the, the way we came up with hip hop abs was, I'm actually going to shout out um, these people, these two women, their names are Gillian and T. They had Yoga Booty Ballet. I don't know if you remember that. Of course I do. Yes. But they had one workout in Yoga Booty Ballet called Hip Hop Abs. Um, oh, they did. It was just like one little, it was just like where we would do like buns and butt or whatever, yeah. buns and thighs. It was hip hop ass. But anyway, the way we came out with hip hop ass was actually really cool because I was a hip hop dancer. Yeah. And one day we were just ideating on choreography in this room. And so I took off my shirt. And, um, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, you have like really great abs. And I was like, thank you. you know? <laughs> so I was like, I don't know who said it, but they were like, oh my gosh, like what did we focus, like did an ad program? And so I breathed in and I made my, my belly really big. And yeah, I was yeah. like, you know, all you got to do is tilt, tuck and tighten. And it, it went from my abs. And they were like, holy shit. And because they were like, what do you do for abs? And I was like, I don't do abs. Like I, at the time, I did not get down on the floor. I literally danced. And they were like, well, show us how you move. I was like, well, in hip hop, you know, you got to stay low. You got to keep your core tight, you know, all this stuff. And so that's how we came up with hip hop abs. It went from like hip hot abs to like hot hip abs. It was like all these things. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Really we're like, okay, we have to use this name because hip hop abs is great. So then that's how we came up with, <laughs> with hip hop abs. And were you like, was everyone shocked at the popularity of the like how much how it became like massive? Yeah, it was a phenomenon at the time. It was huge. Um, I think what was really great it was about it, it was, you know, it was just like all the ingredients of a of a great fitness program came into one. And I, this is gonna sound really funny, but you have dance. You have low impact and you have a gay black man. Yeah. I know that sounds really, really crazy and I can say it because I'm black. Right, right, right. But right. like, you know, <laughs> I believe people are probably gonna roll their eyes at this, but I just believe that gay black men in fitness is like, is not intimidating. Cause some people can be intimidated by really, you know, super ripped other Hot women. women, for sure. Or like beefy guys, kind of like I am now. <laughs> You know? no, you're super beefy now, um, but, but you were back then. I wasn't back then. But who's the, who's the kid out there? Is that is that's that your my son? Kid. Oh my god, he's so cute. Thank you. That's Hi. Dylan. He's probably like, well, yeah, he's probably he's used to. Oh this my god, movie. he has great hair. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, he's he's delicious. Um, so I don't even know. I was like looking at him, but so what were they saying about your hip? You were telling me not oh. like, not Dylan. No, I was going to say something about the hip. Oh yeah. People, and I don't know if this is like politically incorrect also, but the gay uh, teachers always like who are at the clubs are always the most popular. Like women flock to these classes. Right. And if you're like a, a pretty girl or like it's, it could be intimidating. Yeah. Like they like the personality that comes with it. I think that if I can like, if I can just even take sexuality out of it for a yeah. second, I think what happens is, you know, gay people in general, like we live a life of being suppressed for mostly 
a quarter or yeah. more of our lives. You know, I didn't come out till I was 21. Most people don't come out till they're 18. You know, so you have these people who are suppressed for the youngest years of their lives. And so now you take somebody who actually loves fitness, who loves to dance, who wants to be expressive, and you put them in front of a room and it's not it's not intimidating and people are having a good ass time. Totally. People do not care about I don't want to say they don't care about fitness. Yes, people want to lose weight. They want to, but I people you, when they when people find a way to stay motivated, they find a way to stay motivated by having fun and not being overwhelmed or intimidated. And that's what I agree. That's why people don't. That's why the people who don't go to the gym don't go to the gym. Well, I'm not fit enough yet to go to the gym. I'm too big, or I'm t- or for for a lot of women. It's you know I need to lose weight. For a lot of men, it's just like. Well, I'm going to be intimidated by the guys with exactly. muscles. It's insecurity. You don't feel confident right. in that way. So you have, you know, you have a gay black man <laughs> or a chip because chip is a really good gay teacher. <laughs> oh, you are too? He's not a gay teacher, but he's a fitness instructor. Oh, are you? Where do you teach? Equinox well, too? He used Oops, to. Sorry. I'm on a little pause. You are on a little pause right now with the schedule Probably, being yeah. I mean, he was teaching even while working with us with the, with for Transform Twenty when it had a, right. a certification program. But he doesn't know. He's my favorite instructor. But um, <laughs> anyway, so um, not anyway. But <laughs> so just like when you have like a gay guy teaching, it's just not intimidating, especially for like being in public. You're going totally. into a room, and I really believe like no one talks about that. But I'm like, it's very, very, very true. If you go to fitness conventions, like. The gay guys are like, they have like these really popular, super fun classes. They also have a cult following. Yeah. They have a cult following because they make it fun. I think at the end of the day, no matter what, people want to feel inspired and they want to have fun. They don't want to feel like it's like a chore to do it. But you said something that was interesting. So when you were 21, you came out. But so how old were you when you did Insanity? What was? I was, I was 2009. So I was 31. I was, I was. Born in 1978. So, was that 31? Almost 31. Okay, I was 30. So, so you were, okay, so I, I remember now, I don't know why. I remember when when people said to me, oh, Sean, Key, Sean T came out. But that was like already, this was like back when like we were like, this was like in 2005? It was two, no, were it was you keeping it a secret? To, it was in, 2012. Do, do you remember, do you know, what I'm, do you know yeah, what I'm talking about? I do. And okay. it's really funny because I was never in. That, in well, public. That's like, I'm the like, thing. I'm like, have you done hip hop abs? I'm literally like, I don't got no hair. You know, I'm like, I'm, I was but, never in, in my public, in my real professional life. life. I was never in the closet. I came out at 21 to everybody. So why did people think that? I'll tell you why. Okay. So one, because you have hip hop abs where I'm like cutting up and rocking body. They were my first two programs where they were dance programs. Yeah. You know, I'm acting like I'm at the motherfucking club. You know, I'm having a good ass time. Right. But then insanity comes out, and it is there's n- no time in oh, like in why. a program where it wasn't live at the time. Like if it was if insanity was a live class, I would have been acting crazy because I'm like cool. But you know, it's a package program where people have to come and they have to redo the workouts. So I don't tell jokes. I'm just like boom, like we're gonna Your hit work it and mode. go right. Um, and I took on when I I created insanity because I wanted people to feel how I felt at the end of a track practice, mm. which is terrible. And so I feel good at the end, but it's terrible. And I'm like, this is 
Like, I need people to feel this way. So they saw Shanti from Insanity, Shanti from T25, Asylum, like these programs that are- Hardcore. Hardcore. So then when my husband and I get married and my assistant at the time tweets, oh my gosh, she put something like, I'm so happy to celebrate this love. Everyone, like the blogs went crazy. And I'm like- who was in? Oh, right. So everyone just assumed that you were <laughs> they like assumed that I coming out, out, but you were, but it was just because it just never gave the opportunity yeah, to tell but I'm people. I'm like, thanks, girl. You know, I was fine. Right. Well, no, I'm, I, because I totally remember that. And I'm like, what? I, because I, I wasn't like keeping tabs completely, but I do remember that, that like in the atmosphere of like a beach body that you came out. Yeah. But it was like just, but can we talk about that for a second? Like, why do people even have to come out? Uh, I know. I, I mean, listen, that's a whole other thing. Like, I don't remember. I, I remember thinking, like, I wasn't even thinking if he was in or out or where you yeah, were. You, were you just know, like, I'm like, oh, guy. I like his workouts. You know, I wasn't paying <laughs> yeah. attention to that. Right. But I guess because the conversation wasn't what it was today. Like back mm. then, people were much more. Well, people are people are afraid of cancel culture today for different reasons. Right. But back then, the cancel culture was much more. There was a stigma, I guess, for whatever reason back then about that, or people thought there would be. Yeah, and right? I literally never gave a fuck. I know but, you. I can tell knowing you now, like that would. I can't even imagine people thinking that. Yeah, it's so funny. Even just today, before coming here, I was looking at Twitter, and what's his name? Bad Bunny, Big Bunny. Bad Bunny. Yeah. Bad Bunny last night. <laughs> Big Bunny. I didn't, I didn't even know who this guy yeah. was. I no, really no, didn't. No, and no. he's like millions and millions and oh, millions of followers. Oh, no, he's massive. I know. Yeah, but massive. he um, apparently, well, not apparently, there's a video last night on the MTV Music Awards. You know, he kissed the guy on stage and, and the world went in an uproar like, oh my gosh. Still? I'm, some people were like, I never listened to his music again. I'm like, really? He ain't kiss you? Yeah. Nor does him kissing you have anything to do with you. You enjoyed his music. You enjoyed the beats. You enjoyed the lyrics. But just because he wants to kiss a guy, but if it was a girl kissing a girl, you would be like, oh, oh my God, hot. that's hot. Yeah. I'm like, y'all are so played. Like, get over it. I'm surprised that would even be in a tweet or anything now because I feel like it's kind of part of the culture now. Mm. And like, it's not even, a, it's not even like something to even like, like talk about. I actually hope he did it and he's not bi or anything. I hope he, I actually, I mean, I don't care if he's straight or gay or whatever, but part of me yeah, hopes yeah, that yeah. he was just like, no, I just wanted to kiss this dude because I not? felt like kissing a dude. <laughs> you so, know right. Isn't mean? that called fluid though? Isn't that the word for it? Like fluid. I mean, now, now I'm going to sound like an old fuck, but like, <laughs> what's like, you know, fluid? I think or, it's fluid. Is I it think called people fl are, I mean, there are so many titles for sexuality. It is a little bit overwhelming. It is. Even as a gay man, like, I don't know the difference between queer and gay is there or a difference non-binary i don't i just honestly don't know and the only reason i, I don't, don't know, know is either. not because i don't want to be educated it's just because if i meet you i literally care about you but i don't care where your title is yeah i'm like i meet people all the time like i like i love when i meet now that i know and i'm educated when i meet a trans person or a trans person that's like transitioning like now i know and i can put to it but it is it's to me, it's exciting and refreshing and fun because you get to see these people living and going after living their true and authentic lives. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, I, I do not even care. Like I'm the same way. Yeah. I don't care because also I'm attracted to people who are real and authentic, right? So if people are doing them and doing whatever they want, that just makes me more attracted to them yeah. versus someone like staying in the, like, 
when I say in the closet, I mean like inside themselves and acting out some other person that's not even true to yeah. who they are. Unfortunately, though, this is this happens because, and I was talking about this on social media the other day, but this happens because people have planted unknowingly planted damaged seeds, right? Mm -hmm. It's most of the reasons why people are afraid to be themselves is because their childhood. Let's just take your parents said you had to That's be a 100%, lawyer or yeah. you have to be a doctor or you have to go to school. I know plenty of people who are who make $100,000 hundred a year or more that didn't even go to college, right? Yeah. Or you know, you or because of your religion, like people's religion, so they're afraid to live their their lives because they're afraid of what the Bible says or what Jesus says. Yeah. And listen, I love if people are religion. I love I love if people are religious. I love if they're spiritual. I'm like, follow it however you want to do it. But and if that's your authenticity, then great. But I just I think other people are afraid to be themselves because. They are living up to the expectations of what these people follow and what these people believe. And like of somebody else. Right. And I'm like, why do we have to do that? I think it happens all I think because people are fearful of the criticism and losing those connections. So then they, they live a life that's really pure misery, right? Because yeah. that's what happens. And I think you're hundred percent right. I think people are, most people live for other people who basically don't even give a shit. Like at the end of the day, most of those people that you care so much about what they think of you, they're too busy thinking about themselves. They're not even looking and caring about you. Let me ask you a question. I know you're the interviewer. But, <laughs> no, I want you to ask, ask you away. As much as we are, we had a good time on my podcast. We're having a good time now. Obviously, there's lots of excitement of like seeing each other again and when I'm going to show up. When you went to bed last night, or let's say three nights ago, you weren't thinking about me. No, I forgot about you. Right. Right. right? Even though I really like you. Right. Yeah. But if I text you or if we come across each other's posts or if we become really good friends, then yeah, I'll think about you a little bit more. Right. Right. The reason why I say that is because people who hate on you, they're not thinking about you later. They literally are spitting out the gossip to their friend. They're posting on social media to make you feel bad, to do it for likes, to get the clout. But they are going to go. They're going to have their drinks. They're going to be having their party. They're going to go to their church. They're going to be praising him for their own personal upliftment. And they don't give a shit about you. And that's why you shouldn't give a shit about anybody else. And I know there's like a lot. There's like family there. There's like, oh my gosh, my career. There's things that you may be afraid of. But at the end of the day, you're giving more energy to this than that person could ever give to you. Oh, 100%. I, I could not agree with you more. The only, so when I think once, I think on your podcast, you're asking me like mentors and all these things. I don't even really believe in having true mentors because I think everybody is, is, um, thinking, talking, giving advice based on the myopic view of what they've experienced. And so it's not indicative of what your life experience is. So if someone is hating on you for your, for, for the example that you use, why would you even give a shit? Because they, they, they are not even, not, not only are not, you're not even a part of the, they're not even a part of their, their daily thought. But I do think there's a, the real problem becomes when your family, right? Cause people are not being authentic because right. their family has a lot of pressure that put, put like put a lot of pressure on them. And at the end of the day, I think that people have in their heads that what the outcome is like they, they, they get so scared and they, they build up the, the fear so much in their brain. It's never going to become that. It's, it, reality is never as bad as you think it is in your head. Right. Exactly. And That's the bottom line I'm trying to make. 
it's and, never that bad. And let's flip the script for a little bit. Like, I am free. Like, we are all, every single one of us in some way are living in our own tunnel. Not that we have tunnel vision, but like in my tunnel, no, totally. there's colors, there's life, there's sex, there's spirituality, there's gayness. Totally. There's, like, I have this tunnel and I accept everyone for who they are and I don't care. And people still don't like me because of that. Like, you cannot like me and I could love you because of everything that you're doing totally. because it makes you happy and people still aren't going to like me. So at the end of the day, you have to be you. And, you know, my obsession with our solar system and universe, like my <laughs> my my absolute obsession with that has made me give even like negative fucks. You know how people say I give zero yes, fucks? exactly. Like, now that I know how vast this universe is and how we how much the universe itself and matter, dark matter is expanding, I'm like, I hate to say it like this, but we ain't shit. Like right. we like it, it's it's insane how we sometimes are going through our lives being so affected by what everyone else says about us when even our planet is like not even a drop in a bucket. A minute thing. Yeah. So do you believe that I had this conversation that you believe in like the in vibration and how we can only see what we can see because we're living on a certain vibration? Did you do and that like there's a whole other alternate universe depending on where your vibration is? Did you get into this with the with the whole? I know you're obsessed with all the solar systems. This yeah. is like different. I haven't gotten into that. I've gotten into I haven't gotten into that. But I'm seeing a lot talking about, I don't know what it's called. It's like, yeah, like there's two different universes in a way. There's two different like They ways. call it the fourth, the four, I think it's called the fourth, fourth dimension or something Fourth dimension. Like that. I've heard yeah. something about it, not I don't a lot. get it. I don't understand it though. Um, no, I don't understand yeah. it, um, but I'm here for it. I mean, if someone wants to explain it to me, I'm totally yeah. open to listen. But I'm also an empath in a lot of ways. And a lot of people think we're crazy. Like I read energy, like it's going yeah. Out of style. Like people ask me why I'm really good at something. It's just because when I walk in a room, I know the the average energy of what these people need. Because I focus on the need, not the energy that they're giving me necessarily. But like even like, can you imagine yeah. if there are five people in this room right okay, now yeah. while we're filming? If any one of us, like if, if you had a, a disagreement with anyone in here 10 minutes ago even if you rectified the situation that energy is lingering right in this room and you can feel it i would 100 percent know 100 and you could be acting like everything's fine right 100 and how would you modify your behavior or you just automatically modify that behavior so what i do i do it a lot at restaurants okay. so if a server is having a bad day instead of reacting to that server having a bad day I'm going to react to the point where I want to give them a 30% tip. So like we, yeah. my husband and I, like, he'll look at me. He's like, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, he or she, they ain't having it today. And I'm like, watch this because I'm like, I get it. And they start out really like fast, abrupt, you know, a little bit rude, wanting to rush out. Maybe they're at the end of their um, shift. You know, shift. Yeah. And then next thing you know, they're like, oh my gosh, can you guys get my table the next time you come here? You know, because I just don't, I, well, I believe, and, and I do that in fitness. Like if someone's afraid or if they don't think they can get through it, my class and my classes and my live classes are about, don't, I'm going to, I'm literally going to walk you through this so that you feel so freaking good at the end of it. Because that 
is my gift. Like that's yeah. what I want to do. It is your gift. So then get back to that from, from, from the first question. So yeah. like before you were Shanti, got this job at the- at <laughs> I didn't even Friday. answer the first question. I know, I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, we're, it's good though. But Okay, so before that, so I know you're teaching at Equinox and you're doing the choreography. Like where, like give me an, ex how did you evolve into this? You were, you said you weren't always so confident. You weren't always so this. So what, what were you? And then how did you kind of create the- person or the persona more or less that we that we know now right well i just um really great question i peel back the layers i peel back everything that was holding me back from being who i am and which was what which was a scared little boy mm -hmm. you know i've spoken a lot about my sexual abuse but from the time i was eight to the time i was 12 literally being molested and sexually abused by you know, a person that is supposed to be one of my protectors in my life has does a really a great deal of damage to the psyche. You know, <clears throat> do you remember all that stuff? Oh, I remember every single time. I really? remember every so I was like, I don't know why at eight years old. I was like, I have to be very present in this moment to make it through. Like, instead of blocking it out, I was like, I have to be very present. You actually had those thoughts while it's happening. I was like, I need to be very present, very present. I was always afraid to tell right. anyone, but I was like, I just had to be very present. So there would be times where I would hide in my closet. I had this, I had a little my buddy and a light bright toy and I would hide in a closet and I would like, I didn't know why I was hiding in the closet then, but I realized that I didn't want to face what was the reality because everyone in my house was like happy. They were acting so happy and I wasn't. And the only time I could be happy is like with my light bright and my my buddy. It was like my safe haven. Yeah. But um, to your point, so I was able to go to therapy from the time I started this commercial fitness journey where I became a household name, if you will. Right. But at 12, so wait, hold on, oh, go, back, go, back. go back. So here, yeah. So, I'm all over the place. Yeah. No, no, I like this though. So like <laughs> by, by, but at the, by 12, thankfully the, the, the abuse ended, right? Yeah. And so. Well, I'm going to tell you, if your listeners can, and watchers can go here with me, the abuse ended because I was able to have an orgasm. So this person who was sexually abusing me was a true pedophile. So once I was able to, you know, have an ejaculation, for lack of a better way of saying it, I yeah. think that's the best way to say it, um, he stopped. And so really? the, weird, the weird thing that happens in the psyche at that age is like, I've given you all of me all this time. I didn't tell, like I protected you from telling. And now... You want to stop because I get pleasure. This is crazy. So then I felt like, and I didn't notice until later, but I felt like that was my first heartbreak. You know, really? Like, yeah, because like I had to, in some ways, trick myself to falling in love with this person. Did you? Oh yeah. And so the wild thing is like every so he would come upstairs in the middle of the night and that would be like at 12, two o'clock in the morning. And that would be like when this would all happen. So after he stopped, every time he would come up the stairs, it's weird. Like I knew who was coming upstairs because I know my mom's steps and I know I knew his, his steps. Step. Yeah. But I would purposely do things to, to get him to notice me. And it was just like, it just kind of went away as soon like if that happened, like everything abruptly stopped. And a lot of people are like, 
you know, they probably think to themselves, well, you should be very happy that he no longer did that. And I'm like, you don't understand the psyche of a child at that age. You are, you feel abandoned. And so then now I have have double abandonment because I'm like, at that age, you think my mom should have known this was happening, you know? Like, you just think your mom should know everything. Yeah. And secondly, the second person who was my stepfather, who was supposed to be my protector, now also abandoned me. So then that's when I realized that I'm living in a toxic environment. And I, then at 14, I moved out of my house. So between 12 and 14, what did you do? I was just miserable. And your mom, like, where, where is your stepfather now, by the way? Um, well, when, but he held a gun to my mom's head when I was in college. So they finally broke up and now he's dead. He's dead? Yeah, from, from like, cancer. And how about your, do you ever, how was your relationship with your mom? My relationship with my mom is fantastic. <laughs> it, but it, did it take time? Yeah, I went to a lot of therapy. There was times where, you know, I was like angry with her, but like almost it's weird because it was like there's anger with her, but for no reason. But also, so there was a stint in time where I used to talk to my mom every day. We were like best friends. It was like boom, 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 boom. But then when I started going to therapy and I started being able to release these things and like things yeah. that, you know, while I was very present, there were still things that needed to be uncovered. Right. Um, yeah. There was a point in time where I had to keep my distance for sure. What, what was what would she say? Like, how did she not know, or did she know and just suppress it? Mm-mm, she did not know. How? I, that's you are asking the same question that is that eight, yeah. nine, ten, eleven, twelve year old Shawnee. That's what they called me. Would ask. Here's the thing. So he would come upstairs. He would go to the bathroom. You know, close the door, and like they. So his whole. Um, I don't want to say schedule, but the process for him was yeah. I would hear him pull up in the driveway because he was alcoholic. So he'd come home drunk. He would go in the ho- he would go in the house. My mother in his bedroom was right underneath my bedroom. He would start an argument with her so that there was a reason for them to separate. Right. While I'm going upstairs. He would come upstairs, go in the bathroom. He would turn on the bathroom light, close the door. So now she thinks like, oh. He's mad. We only have one bathroom and it happened yeah. to be upstairs. He's mad. He's upstairs. He's in the bathroom when really... He was he, with you. Yeah. So she didn't know. And was it like once a week or oh, like once a month? No, it was way more often than that. For four years? Yeah. And your attitude or personality didn't change where she was like suspicious of something? No, no. The only times that where there were lulls in it is when my, like two of my mom's sisters and their kids came to live with us. So for me, that was like amazing. Like I had these people to like barrier me. Buffer, from yeah. Yeah, buffer. But um, no, because I think that like we were so miserable. Like it was such a miserable time yeah. that there's, you know, like... But I was a kid, you know, like once I was outside, once I was with my friends, right. once I was at school, I think the only thing that may have given her a hint, which she never spoke about was, I mean, I was really smart. I I am. I mean, I did really good in school, you know. Of course but you there did. Would be, I mean, of course I did. Like you said earlier, I mean, I'm just good at a lot. Exceptional at everything. <laughs> but there would be... Um, you know, there would be times where I wouldn't get good grades and she would be like, 
What's you know, going on? Yeah. And then the next marking period, I would turn around and I would get in, I would get on an honor roll, you know, because right. I would just be like, okay, I got to do this because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get, because if we got bad grades. So I would like get straight A's or like A's and B's. And then one marking period when I, it's probably at a time where I was like going through it a lot yeah. in my views. Um, then I would just kind of like, you know, and then like there was a small stint in school where I got, there was a small stint where I got teased. This thing doesn't stop. No, you're okay. fine. There was a small stint where I got teased, you know, for being gay. I put an end to that real quick because I definitely wasn't the one. Yeah. But, um, you know, so there was a lot going on with my my internal self as well as, you know, just, you know, navigating my way through childhood in general. Um, Do you have a lot of friends? Like, were you very, were you popular? Because it seems like you were an like very athletic, obviously, and very smart. You're like a Ferris Bueller. You had so, both going on. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I so in, in elementary school, this is gonna sound really crazy. I was first to be chosen in kickball, right? In like yeah. any sport in gym class or you know, on at yeah. recess. But I didn't have a lot of friends, you know? And I think partly it was really? because yeah, like it was I think partly it was because you know, I was a gay kid, so there's always, like, even if you're not, like, a feminine gay kid or, like, a flamboyant gay kid, you still know you're different. So you knew back then? Oh. Oh, yeah. At eight years old? I knew before I was eight. What, how old were you when you knew, you think? This is going to sound funny, but, like, probably the same age you knew. Like, you just right. know. Right. It was just kind of a, in part of your, you, just you know, know. Yeah. And I think that, like, I think to answer that question... And to help a lot of people understand who don't understand gay or how somebody quote unquote becomes gay, which is weird for gay people. It's right. like, how do we become the same way as you? It's almost like. That's a great when, thing that you said, though, by the way, because no one's ever po like positioned it like that. Like, well, same as you. Like, people don't like think I about it. At like, the same time you knew. Right. But here's to like to solidify that if you and I were the same age and we are, let's say we're six years old. And our parents or our or older people are saying like, oh, my gosh, Jen, like that boy is really cute, isn't he? That doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. You're like, yeah, he is cute. If right. they're like, Sean, isn't that little girl cute? I'm like, no, bitch, I want the boy that Jen has. Yeah. Like, what the <laughs> fuck you talking about? You know what I mean? So like... <laughs> Because I'm like, he's cute as fuck. Yeah. So like. Are you saying, you're not saying it, but you're thinking it yeah. for sure. So yeah. like, so at that point, we as gay children become very uncomfortable, mm. you know, because now like you're praising my female friend for liking this little boy Aww. or they even yes. do that shit when kids are like one, they're like. I hear parents say like, oh yeah, when he gets around the girls, like he get, I'm like, he's one. Yeah. Fuck you talking about? It's so, so true. So then you know. So now you you're six, and you think the little boy sitting next to you is cute. But when you go home, not my mom is my mom's not doing this. But this is just an yeah, example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your mom is like, yeah, he has this little girlfriend that comes over, and you know they, you know, it's his little girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, he's hanging out with the girl because he want to be with the girls. Like you know, right. like totally. That's so true. So like people. So I always am like, you know, watch what you say and how you say things around children. Like I will talk about one of my kids, you know, so I have two sons. They're the same age, born at the same time. They're twins. Yeah. 
One of them, his wall is filled full of female superheroes. The other one's wall is full of male superheroes. One of their, um, the one who has the female superheroes, his closet of costumes has 85% female costumes. The other one has all male costumes, right? right? We've never told Sander no. If he wants to be, she, he designed his own She-Hulk outfit. He got the green wig. I'm like, work, bitch. I'm like, I want to dress up too, <laughs> you know? And Silas is like, no, like I want to be Captain America. But like the year before, Silas wanted to be a witch with a dress, right? you know? And Sander wanted to be a skeleton. And so I say all that to say like, we have never been like, no, you can't wear that. And right. we've never called things the girl outfit or the boy outfit. The only time it's ever happened is when he said, I want to create um, Emma Frost costume. <laughs> He's like, Who? can we go on Amazon? Emma Frost. I, I forget. I think she's like somebody. I don't know. Okay. Okay. I should, People I should are probably know mad. This. Parents are probably mad. Y'all probably know who Emma Frost is. I kind of do, but I don't. But yeah, um, I kind of don't either. It was the first time he got this really dope outfit. He picked it off Amazon. <laughs> a pants outfit with a suit jacket but it was all like glittery and like you know rhinestones or whatever yeah. and it was the first time he said because i'm like that's not the dress she's wearing like i'm thinking he's gonna be lit you know <laughs> and he's like no that's that's the girl one and so i was able to i actually asked him i was like so why do you like that costume i didn't say like why do you like the female yeah, costume i'm yeah. like why do you like that costume he's like papa because like they're so much better than those costumes. They're like they have colors. Like he is like he's like obsessed with the costume itself. So even the male wow. superhero costumes he has, I look at them and I'm like, oh. So Chip's boyfriend one day wants to um that get a sewing machine and help Sander make like whatever costume he wants. The reason why I tell that story yeah, is no, I like that. Because I know how it feels. I don't know if he's gay. I don't care. It's not about that. It's even about the fact of just the them to be able to be expressive because he might like the female costumes. Because I asked him, he's like, I want to create, I want to design superhero costumes when I get older. It could just be his design mind. And if I were to say, well, you can't wear that because that's a that's a girl's costume or that's a girl's costume, Sandra. Are you sure you want to wear that? Right. Not only would it hinder whatever he is, but it's going to hinder his creativity. Totally. So I'm like, you know, the words that you speak matter. And at that age, so impressed, like so impressionable yeah. that then they're going to feel that they're doing something wrong. And then they're going to just like suppress anything that's real. Exactly. So you're, that's amazing that you, I'm, yeah. I'm like, you know, even our kids, like, I don't say things to them, like, because I said so. Like if they're like, why can't I do yeah. that? I don't say because I said so. I give them a detail. <clears throat> A detailed response as to why they can't do something. You're going to hurt yourself because this thing is made of this material that could hurt you. Right. Because I want them to continue to ask me questions because that's how they, they know. I purposely use big words with them. And they always like, What's that? Papa, what does that word mean? I'm like, yes, I said a word that they don't know. Yeah. You know, I take it. So anyway, totally. So back to all of that. Um, you know, so like, it was just like, a it was a really rough <laughs> childhood really for me and my mindset but um yeah so no that's it's like i love how you end it with yeah so that was really rough that's like that shaped probably like the entire well not probably your entire 
the entire history trajectory of, of your life. Yeah. Like you could have gone two of like one of two ways, right? You could have become a victim and your life could have went a whole different, like sliding doors could have taken a whole different, you know, route. And then you chose to do this like positivity, belief in yourself and living like such a phenomenal life now. Yeah. Statistics say and show that I should be in jail. I mean, especially the amount of time that that was happening. It wasn't like, it's never good, but like you're saying it was like consistent for four years Mm -hmm. in your, in like times when like you can remember shit, not like when you're three. Yeah. And you know, it's really interesting. I've had many, excuse me. What was that? Are you Um, okay? Do you want some water? No, no, no. It's just, I don't know why, but I'm fine. I have some, but it's really interesting that men heterosexual men Mm -hmm. have come up to me in dead Mm -hmm. secretism. Like they got super close to me and they just are like, like on the street. They're like, you know, I saw this post you put on TikTok TikTok, and that's happened to me before. And I didn't remember until you put that post up. And so, you know, I'm immediately like, you know, sorry to happen to you too. What are you going to do about it? Like I actually had someone who helps me out a lot actually say that to me and it it just like completely changed the trajectory of their life because now they know a lot of why they were the way they were and but a lot of people like I said earlier they plant those seeds that they don't even know that they're planting and it comes out in other ways in their life so how did I become Sean T yeah. from how Sean did, T? Yeah, like how did that allow you, especially because you said you have double abandonment, du- like that's double abandonment. Before you even tell me that, yeah. you said something also that's very interesting that it became like, like you became like in love with this guy. Mm-hmm. What was it? What do you remember in your, do you remember when that transition happened when you went from like being repulsed by him to then like what, like waiting for him to come see you? Yeah, when he stopped. Like that was like, but like when he stopped, but not before that. Not before. Before I was, before I was just taking one for the team. Because I always Mm. had this fear that if I told my mom, he would end up killing my mom, my brother, and myself. Like I really thought. Did he ever tell you that though or no? He never like threatened anybody. No, but he was just, and he, he was an alcoholic and he was like really mean, you know? And one of my first memories of him, cause he's not my biological father. One of right. my first memories of him is him fighting a guy on a porch outside, getting bloody, coming in, cleaning himself off, going back out and fighting this guy. And I'm sitting on the couch looking at this. So one, from time of seeing that when I was like, what, three years old, from the time seeing that from three years old to then that happened to me, this guy is like a superhero. Right. You know oh what I mean? Gosh, so there's like yeah. so much fear involved. So there's fear. And so like, you know, I don't know if my mother or my brother, I should probably let them listen to this and then we'll have a long conversation about it. But I don't know if they understood or understand how much me not telling was to protect them. Right. Not that they need to do anything about it, but I know for for a fact that my brother was probably still is very much affected because he's my older brother. And, you know, he always had that older brother, like yeah. protect my younger brother. And he's in the next room and doesn't know that's happening. So nothing ever happened to him? My bro- No, no. Only you. See, people have to understand that molesters, sexual abusers, when it comes to children, they are somewhat, and I hate to put this in the empath community, 
when a predator is going after a child, right? they a lot of times know what child to pick. So if you look at me yeah. and my brother, if you compare us to in this kind of way, my brother was rambunctious, loud, almost like bad, but not bad. Mm. Like he was just wild. like wild and just blurted stuff out. Like, you know, so true. he would come downstairs and be like, you know, he touched me last night. You know what I mean? Where somebody like me, I was more timid. I was more like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I should, like, I should Sensitive, say that. yeah. Yeah, and they know, they know that kind of child. And wow. that's why I, tr I try not to overdo it, but I say to my kids all the time, I'm like, you know, even with their nannies, I'm like, are you happy? Were they nice to you today? You know, like a couple years ago or a year and a half ago, we had to put cream on one of my kids' bottoms. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he would wince when it happened. And we right away asked him, like, it's okay. Did someone touch you there that made you uncomfortable? He's like, no. He's like, it's just weird. You know, it yeah. tickled. So I'm like, okay. So, but we didn't have those kind of conversations. Yeah. Like no one was, no one, like you said, no one knew, but no one checked in either. No one checked in. That's the thing, right? So it's, that's what's amazing to me. Especially now, it gets always with people that are literally closest to you. Like the guy lived with you for crying out loud. Yeah. Like, so then how did you take that time and then trend, like not let it take you down a bad path and, and take you to this? Or did you have a bad Yeah, phase? it took me down a bad path internally. Um, but thank God for... Did you get into fitness? Then that's what happened. Thank God for sports and fitness and dance. And I mean, they like fitness completely changed my life because actually at one point I was on Zoloft, which is a depression mm -hmm. medication. And at what age? 12? <clears throat> like when this 20, was happening? No, oh. this is after, like after I came out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. 21. Um, yeah. Why? And after you came out, you went on it? Well, I was in a, re well, once I came out. There, it was almost like it was the first layer to be peeled back. Mm, you okay. know, like I'm suppressing all this stuff. The fact that I'm gay, the fact that I was molested and anything else, you know. And now I'm like, oh, I came out. Well, that feels really good. And I also, the night I came out, told my mom about my molestation. So that feels really good. So now everything is, it's like a volcano is erupting. Right. So I'm in a relationship. I get my first gay relationship with a person that's very similar to my abuser who was alcoholic. Really? You know? So then I'm there. So then I'm like peeling more stuff back. And so what happened is I just was, I, I thought I was depressed when really I was in a bad relationship because I would go to fitness, I would go teach class. And I'm like, I, there's no way I can feel this amazing right now. And then when I get home, I'm miserable, right? Mm -hmm. So then once that relationship ended and you know went on to fitness, then I eventually went to therapy and that completely changed my life. Wow. So you only started the therapy like after you came out. I started therapy because I had a hard time accepting love from my now husband. Was he, okay. So that, how long have you been with your husband? Scott? Uh, 12 years. 12 years. So that, okay. There's a big gap though. So between 12 and 21, you had this one boy, only this one guy. Well, the boyfriend I didn't have until after, like at the end of college, I didn't have a boyfriend in high school. I was just fast. You're just, <laughs> <laughs> I was fast with the girls and the boys. Look, you know, uh, some gay guys have never been with a female. Yeah. You were other. Oh, other guys are like, I want to make sure this is right. And you're able to do it and everything. 
Well, I mean, when I'm <laughs> edit out whatever you need to edit out. In my opinion, when your hormones are raging as yeah. a teenager, anything that touches you anywhere. It doesn't matter. Who it, it doesn't is. matter until you experience the other stuff. The other stuff. Then you're like, oh, shit. The emotion behind that is different. You know really? I mean, maybe you know what I'm talking about. I don't know. <laughs> For a girl, girl, I don't know what you are, but I know you have the same parts as me, so you get it. <laughs> oh my God, I love you. I love you. Oh my God, you're so great. I love it. So then basically then, you were just all over the place with the women and not with Oh, I whatever. was a mess. I was in the back of the, the supermarket at night in the Jeep. Like, I, I it, was doing the absolute most. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. So then- no. So what, okay, then, then you went to therapy and that's when you got more in touch with whatever. Yeah, therapy you, completely changed my life. But you had, it feels like you had, conf, like, it feels like you were still in your teens, confident. You were teaching these classes. You were like playing sports. Oh, so it there's a like part of the story. Yeah. There's a part of the story that um, I didn't say. So when I was 14, I moved out of my house. I actually found a way to, to move in with my grandparents. How? Um, I just was like... I mean, it was hard. I feel bad now, even though this is not going to sound bad to you. But I remember my grandmother pulling up to my house one day. Mm -hmm. She all would drive by. She would never come inside. I'm like, girl, I wouldn't come inside either. <laughs> but she would pull up. And it was a summer before my freshman year in high school. And I just, I was like, my mom, do you mind if I come live with you and pop up? You know, you guys are getting older. You need help around the house. And I don't think, she, I think she knew that's why I didn't. I think she... Knew that was a lie. Oh, yes. She probably was just like, because I was her favorite. <laughs> but <laughs> I think she was just kind of like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know. And so my grandfather's a pastor. They were like, she was the first lady of the church. So the night I moved into their house, the first night I went to sleep, or I went to bed. And before I turned on my lights, I just started crying, like, so loud, so hard. Like, I felt like I escaped. Wow. You know, and then they ran into my room and, you know, they just prayed over me. You know, that's why I love people who are religious. I'm not religious like that anymore, but I could, you know, quote the Bible like the rest, but I'm very spiritual, yeah. you know? And so he, my grandfather just like prayed over me and it was literally like people say, you know, I was born again because they accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. For me, that was my born again phase. And from there, like I completely changed. And I was at 14 years old. So then I started to build confidence. I think there's really great things about religion. Like I would be in church three to four times a week. And while I don't believe in everything the Bible says, I do believe that when two and three people are gathered together, like really great things can happen. I believe that prayer is... Us is like meditation, mm -hmm. not necessarily like this man answering your prayers. I feel like, you know, you're attracting that by speaking that and what you put out in the universe, mm -hmm. not like the secret, but the energy right. you put out. Like if I came in here and I was boring or if I was giving you bad vibes, I'm not going to get great vibes from you. We vibe because we're giving each other positive. So, so true. Yes. Going through that in high school and having that foundation of just support completely changed my life to the point where I went from like being a kid in elementary school that was like, I wasn't like a reclusive kid, but I was definitely not, you know, out there wanting to be in the forefront to being in high school, to being like the president of my class, to being the captain of like the, you were all these things. I was all these things. Child. I was, you know, of course you were. I so was, you were the captain of the what? I was a captain of the track team. I was a, the 
president of the E-Race Club, which is End Racism and Sexism Everywhere. I was a captain of the drill team team. I was vice president of my class. And then we get these senior superlatives. You know, it's like people vote for like most popular, most yeah. school-spirited class leaders. So I got, I won all three of those. Most popular, most school-spirited, and class leader. And my, one of our teachers was like, Sean, choose class leader. She was like, you're going to be so, they're going to look back in your yearbook and you're going to be really happy about choosing leader. I'm like, no, I want to be the most popular. I'm choosing most popular. <laughs> and then like a couple years ago, I was looking at this like yearbook website and I saw my yearbook. I'm like, fuck. Like she was right. Right. I'm like, who gives a shit if you're the most popular? Uh, but bad. they still chose me as class leader, so exactly. I'll just take that. And also, it, it, it kind of still worked out for you in a lot of ways, even if yeah. the, even though you didn't pick the that one. But I think time. I think I want people to understand. Like for me, again, it goes back to like being pretty much trapped as a child, and you're like, and most popular wasn't about people liking me. It was about me liking me. Right. It was about me feeling the freedom. It was about me being able to truly live my life, and so. You know, I think I said this together when we were on the podcast and maybe not on mine, but like everybody's in the closet about something. Mm -hmm. Everybody. You don't know. you. There's something about people, whether it's something they search online, whether it's a secret that they have, whether it's a, something that they said to somebody that they really don't want to. So everybody's in the closet about something. If people could just understand that, they would be way more forgiving yeah. of other compassion, people. Compassion, I think. Lots of compassion. I know. That's the thing. People don't realize everyone, there's, I'm hiding something right now. I'm, you know, I mean, everyone is, right? Everybody is. Like there's something about me that nobody would know, would ever right. would freak. I mean, I think that's very, that's like very true to, to anybody. And anybody who pretends that's not the case is when we get into trouble. Yeah. Like we have. Mm -hmm. So then how did you then... What, wait, wait, so in this first tranche of therapy, what did you learn about yourself? The first therapy was a gay therapist. Okay. So I was just able to talk. It was my first time being able to be free to talk through everything without being judged. My second therapist, I went to him for like three or four years. Then my second therapist, I took a break. And then my second therapist, because I had a hard time accepting love from the person I loved the most, that was the most impactful um, at that time. How did you guys meet, um, by the way? <laughs> they have these hookup sites they're apps now is it called grinder well we didn't have grinder we oh. had manhunt.net back then honey oh really yes, they didn't have did. grinder back then how long has grinder been around for? i don't know grinder ain't been around that long but manhunt was the one child what really but, um, Man you know <laughs> manhunt so if i told you out there that me and scott <laughs> met at the gym it was the gym <laughs> we were romping around but in another way get into really? it really <laughs> I, so what does Matt have? Tell me about this. I'm watching this show. I want to know about Matt. I need all the clips. Yeah. Every, do you edit yes. every good clip? Please send it to me. I swear to God, I'll put it up as reels you and better. I'll be like, go listen to, you know. No, this is amazing. Okay, Madison so Hustle. I want to know about, I want to know about Manhunt. Now, now we're getting to the good part. Okay, oh, so. Manhunt is the shit. So. Is it still around? I don't know, child. I don't need to go on that Why one. is everyone laughing so hard? Why is it so Why funny? Child, you got your arms up. Yeah, don't I even try exactly. it. <laughs> the, the peanut you, you gallery. You're stretching for something. Why are you but, guys all laughing over here? All right, so Manhunt is... So, you know, I'm just going to keep it real. The gays yeah, be trying please. to act like it's a, it's a dating website. I'm like, no, child, this ain't ten Tinder <laughs> or like Bumble. This is, you know, you go... You would to go on that up. site. Yeah, for a session. 
Yeah. Isn't that what all the sites are? Isn't that what Grinder is? I mean, yeah, but Grinder wasn't. I'm just saying there wasn't an app like you had. Right. A, so it's the same as what Grinder would be today. It's the same as Grinder okay. and Scruff. Yeah, it's the same. Scruff. As What's that one? Oh, that's another one. Is that a is that a popular one? I mean. I mean, Chip. Is I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm not the PR for them, but I mean, I guess it does the trick. <laughs> Maybe you should be. It does a trick for a lot of people, honey. What's the <laughs> deal? <laughs> is it more popular than Grinder now? Oh my god, I'm hot. <laughs> <laughs> no, Grinder is the most popular. You should go to Grinder, like Instagrams, like Grinder on Instagram. It's it's hilarious. Is it? Yeah. I know that the founder was. My husband knew the founder for a long time because he was in like my a, a group that my husband's mm-hmm. in. Um. And I remember, I mean, he was like a young guy when he started. Do you know that? Have you met the guy? The no, founder? but I would love to. If you're out there, with his name? I can't remember. It was like well, a... Can I interview you in my podcast? Absolutely. I'm going to find out for you. Let, remind me. Send me a text or whatever. or DM, Whatever. Okay. Let me ask my husband about it. Because I was going to put him on my podcast too. And I oh totally God, forgot I would about it. I love to interview him. He was so... I mean, he was like... Yeah, I'll find out. I don't know if he's in the group anymore. I'll find yeah. out. Okay. Well, I'm sure there's a way to find him. Oh, yes. Yeah. Super easy to find. Okay, so Manhunt. So you're on Manhunt. There's a hookup, blah, blah, blah. And then you see this guy, Scott. Yeah. And then what happened? Actually, I just saw his... <laughs> Guys, we're back on. <laughs> Come on, we're trying to entertain y'all. No, yeah, exactly. Get off Manhunt. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be grinding now. Yeah, exactly. Or right. scrub. <laughs> what was that? I looked at it is? Oh, it is. Okay. oh, you were doing, oh, he was doing, you know, research. <laughs> Recon. He was Recon, getting yeah. the facts, honey. Mm-hmm, Come on. Mm-hmm. But, um, so, no, I mean, actually, I saw his torso because he wasn't showing his face on the. And thing. you still, you still. Yeah, it was a nice reply? torso. Is that really what happens on these sites and grinder and like, do you just show body shots or like? I mean, some pe- a lot of people show face like if they don't care, you know. But some people don't want their face just out based there. on a torso. You reply, you you respond. Yeah, I was like, he fine as fuck. Okay, <laughs> and then we just kind of like started chatting. I don't know if he messaged me or vice versa, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, even if you don't see somebody's like full body, if you have like oh, like there's something attractive like about them, like a nice torso. Yeah, you start chatting, and then. If you start chatting in a way that's not just like, let's meet five minutes from now. And like, cause he and I have been chatting for a oh. couple of weeks. Just like, it came, it went from like, oh my gosh, your body's hot. And then you can share pictures in the back office, what I like to call it. Really? So you can share all kinds of pictures. So was your face on the app though? Did they <laughs> no, know of you? You know, I was Chauncey from Hip Hop Abs. You wasn't knowing I, me. Well, I was going to say, so what were you showing? Your calf? I was like, showing, I was showing everything. So your abs, for, so you both had your torso. yeah, yeah. yeah. Torso love. Yeah. But um, (laughs) anyway, so we we had a conversation and then we ended up meeting. So, I mean, we ended up meeting like. In the gym. I mean, it was, well, it was a date, but it was a date. The first date was a date, date, like a date? No, the first date was a shutdown session, honey. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't know how to say it otherwise. Okay, so what happened? Really? Yeah. In the in the, in the the gym? No, 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 no. I mean, I met him on, I, I told you I'd be lying to people. I don't tell them. I, I'm like, we met on the street corner. No, you did not. I said, where do you want to meet? Let's check this out. And that's what really happened. You just hooked up with him and then you got married? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly, that good? Honestly, the real love story is actually I met him on the corner. I saw him sitting on the ledge of the CVS windowsill, you know, Yeah, outside, yeah, yeah. And he walked over to me and I was like, oh, my God. Like, I was like, I can't. And we started walking. I was like, literally, like, we started walking and talking. Literally within seconds, I was like, 
I'm literally going to be with this person for the rest of my life. And really? I found out like two or three months later, two months later, he said the same thing to himself. Like we just knew. So then what was the problem that you couldn't accept love from him? Okay. So, so this chemistry was like undeniable. Yeah, so obviously. we had moved in together. We were like, you know, we oh, you big, did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I just had a lot of emotional issues and it was really based around love and trust. And so what would happen is it would be weird. Like multiple nights a week at like two o'clock in the morning, I would wake up. I would have these really crazy dreams. I would literally wake up like sometimes screaming or cursing somebody out. And then he would try to help me and we would be in the living room and then I would start blaming him. Like it was wild. It's, it's a very hard thing to talk about. Yeah. And he was like super patient and so kind as I was going through this. Wow. Like, you know, and it was really bad. Like most people would have been like, I mean, it didn't happen during the day. Like we didn't like fight like that during the day, but it would always happen at night. It was terrible. Because these dreams were happening. These dreams were happening and I would wake up and then one day I couldn't go to therapy. Like, she couldn't bring me in to talk. So she was like, hey, I have 15 minutes. Can you call me? And she was like, you know, tell me what's going on. I was like, you know, every so often, every couple nights a week, um, I would wake up. And she was like, you know, and I was like, two o'clock, like around two o'clock in the morning, like this crazy shit would happen. And she was like, but what happened at two o'clock in the morning? And I was like, oh, my God, that was a time where I would be getting molested. It was exactly the same time. It was frame. like exactly the same time. I'm getting the chills because it was it was crazy. And that's why I like to tell people, like, you do not understand that the things that happened to you that affected you long ago that you suppressed come out in other ways. Like totally anything that's super true. traumatic, you need to get help. You need to talk through it. It's it is a need. It is not a want. It is a necessity for you to have, you know, really great mental health. And I just remember going to him and just like apologizing. And that was the start of me like getting better in my head. I actually started writing my book before that. And I, when I went to therapy, I was like, I can't write a book right now because like, I don't have these answers, you know? And then wow. after I finished therapy with that woman, who's amazing, I call her Babs. Um, <laughs> then I was, I was like, you know, I finished therapy and a couple years after just like utilizing all the things that I learned, I felt just like so great. Wow. So that was your second, was he your second relationship after that one? He was my third relationship. And Fourth. Oh, but why do you think it happened? That those dreams started then and not Because I really liked him. Oh. Like loved him. I loved him. I mean, I love him still the same more. The same. Like I love him. Like he is so wonderful. Oh my God, you can see it in your like eyes. Like he's really, really wonderful. Like what's the one thing that you really love about him? <sighs> That's hard to say one thing. I think generally. That draws you to him. Like his silence is so profound. Like he's really fun and festive if you meet him. But generally like he will disappear from a room. And I notice that when he disappears, like I get super I get super lonely like when really? I left him yesterday at the airport my kids like my friend I saw a friend that I hadn't seen in a while and today he texted me he said I think something was bothering you yesterday but I, I'm sorry I didn't ask after you asked me how I was doing I was like I just left Scott like if I whenever I leave the house if I'm going on a trip like we'll text each other like 10 minutes later he's like my heart still aches when you leave I'm like I know this is fucking terrible that is unbelievably beautiful you don't even yeah. hear you don't hear that very often yeah he's like 
really great. You can see, look at you. I'm going to cry because you're saying it. You can, you're like so emotional just talking know, about him. I know, it's really crazy. Like, I really love him. It's like, like he, I think it's like, <laughs> I almost say like, it's unfair that people don't, like some people don't get to experience this kind of love, yeah. you know? And it's not even love. It's just like, I like the entire I mean, don't get it twisted. Like, we have our arguments, you know. No, we have no, to go course. through shit, you know. Um, never anything bad. But we definitely, like, are growing and we talk about things. But we don't have secrets and we have to talk about stuff. We make a pact. Like, you cannot not talk about something that's bothering you. And it doesn't matter where we are. Like, we're going like, to figure this the fuck out. Because it's just, like, what we do and who we right. are. And, and he's like, the most important person in your life. The most important. Like, you know, I understand that kids are great. But... Like, when my kids get old enough, they're going to be like, well, you know, we should be the most important. I'm like, no, your dad is the most important because <laughs> without him, you like, we don't have this kind of happiness, you know? <laughs> There's a whole thing in the Jewish religion law about that, right? Because kids will grow up and they go on the road, you know, they go out in the merry way. And they always say that, like, you're the the other person should be the most important person. And the kids should know that, too. Yeah, our kids, they know it. They yeah. are like... It's really great too that they know. That's it. what that was. That's the whole thing. It's it's, it's it shows them, yeah. like it, it models for them. Because Scott and I will give each other a kiss or whatever. So at night, <laughs> Silas will be like, "Well, can I get a smooch?" And I'm like, "I'll smooch you, but it's not the kind of smooch that I give Dad." <laughs> He's like, "Well, I just want to smooch you." <laughs> oh my! It sounds like you're such a nice family unit, though. It is. We. I mean, we really. It is really, really great, and. The thing that's like really great about our relationship is that we let each other grow. Yeah. We don't, we're not like, oh, we're together. So we have to like live in this. We, we're, we're the same people that, right. who we are when we met, but we're enhanced versions of ourselves. And if he wants to experience something, go somewhere, yeah. try something new. We never, we don't tell each other no. I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I do the same thing. I think that's what, that's probably the biggest reason why so many relationships fail yeah it's because people like try to hold that you know it's like the bird in the hand or you know you can hold it so close you kill the bird yeah I'm if, like, if you squeeze too hard yeah that's a really good point though too so then still how did you become this so is through your life experience that you kind of just became this human being yeah i think that like the evolution of who i am from the aspect of being a young kid to my workouts till now is my ability to continue to find freedom within. Yeah, know? and you're still on this quest, right? Like you're, oh, went, you're yeah. in therapy again. But like, I feel like, you, like what we kind of touched upon on the podcast with yours is that, you know, you're kind of like, I'm jo I was joking around about like how you're good <laughs> at everything, but quite frankly, you are good at a lot of things or you have interests in a lot of things like a lot of people do. I think it's, I think, you know, it's funny you say that because I'm like, no, don't say I'm good at everything. But I think you just made a very valid point. If I'm interested in it and I have the ability to try it, I try it. You try it. And I think that if you sometimes take professional athletes or actors or when you know, I even look at social media and everyone's like, what's your niche? I'm like, that's really great. Like, it's really awesome that you're a great athlete or you're a great social media right. influencer or you're a great artist. But like, that's not the depth of who you are. Right. That's just what people know you to be really good at. And it could only be one thing of 20. Right. And so like for me, one of the things that I had to learn, and it's, it's kind of tough with social media, like, yes, I'm 
really great fitness motivator, right? I wrote a book. I can speak. I have a podcast. But I love shaking my ass. I love taking nude photos because, bitch, listen, I'm fine as fuck at 44. You know, and I don't think you don't need to think I'm fine. But if you, you can't, think you are, if you don't look, if you can't look in the mirror at every step of your journey, I mean, I didn't always have the body that I have, but I'm, you know, I'm like, well, the only way you're gonna get the body that you want is to love the body that you're in. So, like for me, I just continue to find that. As a, and I, I want that for everybody else. So how, how do you how do you tell people to find to, to kind of get that for themselves? Uh, What's the I, step to even do it if you don't have that intuitively, or you're in a place where you don't feel great about yourself? I think that like one of the things that you can do is make a list of all the things that you want to do, and how many of those things are you going after, and of the things that you're not going after. Why aren't you going after them? And the reason why you're not going after them is because of some kind of barrier that you put on yourself or someone else put on you. And the most, and most of the time, the barrier is time. And I believe that people say, I don't have time, but I can say, well, you have time to do social media. You, you take time to do this. Start taking time to do that one thing that you really just want to try and do. Like it, you know, like just, just, Go for it. I, I get you. And so let's turn it to you because last time I talked to you, you're like, you're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall, right? Yeah. But do you take your own advice? Because what happens a lot of times is people can compartmentalize you as the fitness Shanti. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, because like if I didn't know what I know, I'd be like, he's amazing in fitness. He's the fitness guy. Yeah. But now it's like, wait, you, if you just pivoted a little bit this way yeah. at 22, you could have done this. You could have done that. You could have had probably 12 other careers if you just like yeah. were interested in it and like tried it, like you say, right? Yeah. You were interested and then you tried it and then it kind of takes it from there. So what would it like, do you want to have like a phase two of your career? Like what's the, like, what's the next thing? Are you going to dive deep into the galaxy stuff or <laughs> something else? Like what else are your, what else are you passionate about? If it's right. not fitness? Well, I think that Fitness is always going to be a part of my life. Right, for Not sure. Not just because of calories in, calories out, but just because it makes you feel really good. Right. Um, but like right now, I'm on a quest to help men release themselves from having to be a man. I think one of the one of the messages and types of messages that I get so much is from guys who are hiding something about their lives and they just don't have anywhere to go to or like because of religion or because of men having to be strong they find weakness in mm. emotion they find weakness in expression and so like you said throw noodles up against the wall like what am i doing so right now i am on a quest to create retreats for men to go to and you know, I have a whole plan that I'm doing, but like, I just want men to start to feel free. As a 44 year old man, you know, I found myself, you know, I didn't have like ED issues, like erectile dysfunction, but the stress of becoming a man, the stress of becoming a dad, the stress of becoming a business owner would affect me in so many ways. And so then I had to like, seek out hormone therapy. I had to, I went back to therapy. Are you on hormone um, therapy? Is that why you're yeah. so big? And well, I'm on hormone therapy. My testosterone was like unbelievably low. My, my stress was unbelievably high. My, yeah. my, um, 
estrogen was really high. I was 18% body fat in January and nobody would have guessed it because of the way, like I looked fine, but I was just carrying a lot of stress. And I was carrying a lot of stress because I was like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to burden anyone else. I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm the quote unquote leader Mm -hmm. until I just started like telling people like, yo, like, this is how I feel. I got surgery. I found peace in doing nothing, you know? And so how how to find peace in doing nothing by doing nothing. nothing by doing it. Because I, what I, like I said before, interested you try it. Yeah, but but like I said before, as a high achiever, doing nothing is laziness to me. When nothingness and laziness, in quotes, completely changed the course of my life. It did. Yeah, because I was able to listen and hear myself think. So, because you just said something that I think a lot, I I can really relate to. Like when I'm not doing something, I do feel like unproductive. I feel lazy. I beat myself up. And you feel that when you stop to do that, it changed. I think that life is very similar to sleep, right? Like my friend Sean Stevenson wrote a book, Sleep Smarter, right? When you sleep, your body heals. I think it's the same thing when you're awake. When you rest your body and just chill for a minute, your body heals. And for me, my mind was able to. I felt such freedom. Like it was so wild, to the point where I just started getting happy by not by doing nothing, whereas before it would stress me the hell out. Yeah. But because my shoulder it forced you. You had you had, I a, had to do nothing. So you had a catalyst. Yeah. yeah. And so, then I went and I got a trainer. I have this woman who trains me every three days a week, four days a week, who is like amazing. Like she's just the most incredible personal trainer for me. Like she is, I think I tell, I tell all the time, I think your parents made you for me. (laughs) You know, I say that, um, I get massages. I do a lot of self care. I gave everyone in my company each uh, quarter, they get two self care days, like two mental health days is what I actually call them. I'm like, extend your weekend. It is mandatory for you to take four days to be with and for yourself because and don't do it when you get stressed. Do it when you're happy. Mm-hmm. Because then you can think clearer. And you're not stressed. You're not taking these self-care days because you have to get out of stress. You're like, I want you to be like, Sean, I feel so fucking good. Like, I'm going to take my my two days next week. And I'm going to be like, great. You yeah. know, because ne- you're vibrating basically. at a very high level, you know? That's amazing that you do. I think more and more people are starting maybe to do that a little bit more. But it does change the, like, just the the the... I guess the vibes in in your in not just your cor- corporation or company, but in your personal relationships. Yeah. So they do it before you get to that place. All right. So how long has it been now, guys? It's been like an hour. How long has this podcast been? <laughs> it's been like an hour and a half. Okay, hour and a half. So why? Okay. So why don't we do this? Why don't we like cut it here and then okay. we can do another part because yeah. I want to hear more about everything else. We've covered a lot of stuff about the making of Shanti and of course all of your background. By the way, which is I just have to say it's miraculous and just amazing how you were able to build the life you have given the life you were given. And this is like, it's just, it's, it's, this is just goes to show you that anybody can have what they want. If they, if they, if they actually, I say, my thing is I say, chase what you want. Don't take what you can get. Mm. And you are literally like a beacon for that. Really. It's amazing. Thank you. Um, I think that, you know, life does, give you what life is going to give you. 
And I don't want to downplay anybody's struggles, right? Because we all have struggles. And I think one of the things that's really bad in fitness, it's just like that guy who just like hated on Lizzo the other day about like her body and like- Again, that happened? Yeah, it's oh, just terrible. I thought- but I, I think what happens in fitness is that just because I have results, like people think that just because I have results, like you should do it too. But you forget that you had a process to get to the greatness that you consider mm. yourself to be. And so for me, I just want to tell people out there, where you are right now is where you're supposed to be. Just try to take one step to being the better you that you want to be. Not be better because your mom says so, or your dad says so, or your friends say so. Like be better because you want to be better. Get to where you want to go because you want to go there. Be positively selfish in your life. You know, the days of doing things for everybody else, that's really great. Yeah, I want to help people make money. Yes, I want to help people get fitter. Yes, I want to inspire and motivate. But I have to be the nucleus of my existence. I have to be the sun to my solar system, you know? So for me, without our sun, I think I said this on the podcast, (laughs) but, you know, without our sun, like the earth would be frozen and immobile, right? So be the sun, like be the sun to yourself, like create light and energy and, and warmth and just love yourself. See, and this is why people like you so much because you make them feel good about where they are and not feel guilty about where they're not. And I think that's the bottom line, right? And that's why your classes were popular at Equinox. (laughs) That's why hip hop and insanity. And like, by the way, I wanted to say this and we can talk about it next time, but your program insanity was the top, top, most successful program of all time in fitness. It actually beat P90X. I thought it was P90X and it was actually insanity. Oh, well. It's like a, you. what, a billion, how many copies were sold? <sighs> Millions. I love, I love Tony Horton. No shade, but I mean, a little competition is fun. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he'd think so, but that's his. Oh, he wouldn't, please. He probably still hates me. I, no, I know, not no, 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 well. But I don't know, maybe. I, I mean, listen, you know. <laughs> but I will respect that man forever. Like, you know, I think very similar to me and Shalene Johnson. Shalene Johnson, we like collectively had our way of motivating the masses. And we all, which I think is really, really great. And this is what I want people out there to do for themselves. We all created a life that we loved and we attract people to our authenticity and that's what i want people to do like be as authentic as you can because it is true quality over quantity a hundred percent i love that go follow shanti tell tell everyone where to find you oh cool well you can find Man me hunt. in the street honey and, no. in front of cbs um, on the street no you can find me on all social platforms at shanti um s-h-a-u-n-t or you can go to shanti life Dot com sign up for my email list um and you'll be involved in all the fun stuff that i'm doing mm-hmm. and there's a lot thank you i loved having you on this podcast as i'm sure you can imagine it's been like god knows how long we went way over so thank <laughs> you thank you i love you Mwah. thank you i love you back habits and hustle time to get it rolling stay up on the grind don't stop keep it going habits and hustle from nothing into something all out hosted by jennifer cohen visionaries tune in you can get to know them be inspired this is your moment excuses we ain't having that the habits and hustle podcast powered by habit nest this episode is brought to you by the yap media podcast network 
I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.